0: Welcome to the first episode of the No Blueprint Podcast. In this episode, we sit down with David Pierre-Louis and Victor Winston Fitch. We discuss how they define culture, its importance in their lives, being inspired by the hustle of the Caribbean people, Japanese culture, minimalism, and travel.
1: Check out playlists, photos, and more at NoBlueprint.com. Remember to rate and subscribe. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and Spotify. Link's in the description. <laughs> Look, at y'all...
2: Nah, the grind, the grind is still going, well. I, I I I man. I gotta make an appearance, and I gotta get back to the grind. Yes,
3: sir. All right, you good yeah, with that? Cameo yes, Friday. <laughs> I don't
2: know what those are. Hey, hey, hey. hey take a photo. Okay. All right.
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> Listen. Yaper <laughs> time. Gotta go. Yes, sir.
1: What's up, everybody? I go by the name of Domo.
0: and I go by the name of Yoshko.
1: And each week, we sit down with cultural ambassadors
0: to talk about how they defied societal norms to
1: live their lives with,
0: with no, no blueprint.
2: blueprint. Born in Brooklyn, raised in Miami. I'm, I'm I'm Haitian, African, quote unquote, or slash American slash Haitian. So, got a lot of different experiences that kind of shape who I am. But I think being here in Seattle, I, I realized that this is a very cultural city, and you know, culture really comes down to like whatever you're interested in. Right, this because there's definitely a cultural ecosystem within every different um, entity of things that we're involved and interested in right so at least for me you know it I have a very diverse culture right with regards to things that I am attracted to right. right and so I think that's what I think about when I think about culture right,
1: right,
3: right. yeah yeah I, and, and and I think you touched on a few things you know cultures is beginning to be one of those terms I I don't want to say I, I struggle with to use, but everything is becoming culture when you begin to study people and, and the ways of people, positive and negative. So culture, for me, has has just become you know, the same as history, just the story, the life, the way. And so having a background with Caribbean roots, uh, but being raised in the Northwest, being raised in a port city where there's a lot of different groups, it's kind of hard to put, you know, you know what, what category do we lie in? And that's usually what Happens with culture. We try and put it in a box. So, yeah, a, a, as I pull it out, I mean, more and more, uh, I, I learn more about culture. It's just the way. It's just the way. It's the way you eat your sushi. And it's the way you might listen to some Wu-Tang while you're doing it. So, yeah.
1: I like that. I like that. I like that. I like that. That was cool. Anything you want
2: to do? It's about? almost like enjoying a cocktail at a dive bar, mm. right? Mm. It's you who's that cultured individual that... You carry that wherever you go right, yeah. right. <laughs> right. so it doesn't right. matter <laughs> right you know and i think that's the beauty of like i think being brothers like ourselves right. we can you know flow through pretty much any type of situation and we can adapt and and grow and proceed as we need to proceed but that's if you're cultured you can go anywhere you want to go right. right and it's about right. i think culture kind of defines your access to experiences your access to opportunities stuff like
1: that right How did y'all get to Seattle?
3: Well, I came when I was three. Uh, Mm -hmm. My parents brought me, came from Oklahoma. My father moved here for opportunity and the funeral industry, and he came and seized it. And so I was raised here. Mm -hmm. Uh, And uh, and it's it's been a joyous experience. My mother came from the island of Trinidad Trinidad and Tobago to Oklahoma. But I'm here, and I've been here since three.
2: I I came in search of some new culture. When I, went, I went, to Bethune Cookman University, and a lot of the people that I met from Seattle, very well refined, very just different, right? It was a different experience from what I was used to growing up in the South, right? And mm-hmm. so, I Seattle was always in the back of my mind of like places that I wanted to just visit and check out. And then when I came here in 2002, really fell in love with, you know, the city. I mean, I was actually living, I came in Tacoma. And it was like December during the holiday, and I loved it then. And it was rainy, you know what December is—very gray, overcast. And, yeah. Yes. But I, I fell in love with love it with it then, right? And so, yeah. in 2004, I graduated from college and I got a job as a manager in training at Finish Line. And I was there for literally a month, and I remember taking my lunch break and not going back. <laughs> and on, exactly. on, on, on my way home. <laughs> It was it was like that. On my way home to to, for lunch, I called a a friend of mine that lived lived in Tacoma at the time and said, "Hey, I'm moving to Seattle, man." And and that was that. That So it was right after college. Yeah, about a month after college. Wow. And then I I had like maybe seven hundred bucks in my pocket. Wow. And it just came out here and just went from there.
0: Nice. Nice. So you'd only been to the area once. Yeah. You were like, I like okay.
1: Wow, that's a lot of faith.
2: Yeah, I mean, (laughs) you gotta live. Yeah, right. Life is life is short, right? You know, it's long, but it's short. But at the same time, like, if you're not out there, you know, seizing those moments, what you're living for?
1: That's real, right? That's real. So that's legit. That's
3: legit. I like his perspective of. Seattle, it's nice, right? Yeah, it's <laughs> right? so fresh and sounds like a good magazine, or something. <laughs> <laughs> something you read in the plane, right? Yeah. <laughs> that's what's up. This place is dope,
2: <laughs> and there's just so many different layers of Seattle that you know really is really why I love it here. Yeah, it's not black and white, right? You know, I like the gray, you know, mm-hmm. like it's a lot of gray, it is <laughs> a lot of gray, right? <laughs> now, yeah. um, but I mean, you know, literally and figuratively, right? It's like one of those things, like, yeah, like the gray. And the gray of life right. mm-hmm. is what makes it fun and, and, and amazing, right. right? Embrace that part, that unknown, right? Man. And that's what Seattle does for me. It, it forces me to almost question Next. a little bit of everything. It forces me to question, you know, the norm. Yeah. You know?
1: Um, so you loved it since you got here.
2: Oh, for sure. Wow.
1: Man. Wow.
2: Cause you know why? It's like I didn't know who I was when I got here.
3: Mm. Oh, okay. Mm. Right? I dig that.
2: You know? That and so like this whole journey was like has been like me just learning about myself mm. and loving every every step, right? Yes. From the from the from the women I dated, from the food that I eat, yeah. from the exercise things that I've I've tried. I mean, I've I've done a little bit of everything.
1: Nice.
2: I would have never lived that life if I grew up stayed in the south. Right. Nice. You know? That's real.
1: You get you making me have an appreciation wow. for Seattle. Wow, it's a diamond. Yeah, yeah. Well,
3: I should appreciate. It should shift the way I look at things. Right. <laughs> like a nine a it is a diamond in the rough, after all. Absolutely. Yeah, I I, I call Seattle home. Okay. Definitely a global citizen, but I, I I try not to live in too much of fantasy. I mean, this is mm-hmm. home. Whether mm-hmm. it feels like home all the time or not, that's another, you know, mm-hmm. conversation. Mm-hmm. I would say if I had to break it down even further. You Know physically, this is home. My soul, somewhere between London and Trinidad and Tobago, mm. spiritually, this is earth. I'm here, so but aside from that, I mean, this is home. I mean, blue angels in the summer, yeah. yes. uh, sunshine in the summer, right. Maybe, uh, <laughs> sometimes <laughs> August. in the spring, in sometimes. August, in August, in August. <laughs> you know, <laughs> run into the mountains. I mean, 30 45 minute drive, yes. and you know, uh, you know, drive an hour further east, and you're out, you're out in a whole nother un, another place, of course. Being able to leave Seattle and do some of those experiences. That's that's what I enjoy. Mm. You know, and then and there's so much water here. I'm a water kind of guy, so yeah. It
2: could be a little warmer though. It could definitely be a little The water could be just a little warmer and I'll be I'd be in heaven. <laughs> right.
1: But, i never leave.
3: Yeah. Never leave. Uh, for the record, let me state I do wear long johns <laughs> from <laughs> from September on until <laughs> Early June. (laughs) 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 I don't play, man. I can't handle
2: this. Caribbean blooded. Caribbean blood is real.
1: (laughs) How did Trinidad and Haiti, like, how did those cultures influence y'all either growing up or even now?
3: Yo, Trinidad, you know, and I've yet to touch the soil in in Haiti, but one of the things I love about the Caribbean is the pride and and the strength they put in themselves. Mm. You can't tell me anything because I know who I am, right? Mm-hmm. And I know my value. Mm-hmm. And and that's one thing I'm glad when I go when I go home as I call it and and you interact with some of the people there, whether they highly educated and well-funded or not, you can't tell them who who they are or aren't. Mm-hmm. You know, they've defined that. They've understood that. That's something that's embedded in them from the very beginning. And I appreciate that because when I came here, growing throughout the years, I had to figure that out just like every other person. Mm-hmm. But usually, in the process, you attach to what's around you and, and that's something I was not able to do. And so anytime I did get a chance to go home or interact with some some people back there, especially my mother, she helped in that uh, aspect quite a bit. Uh, it, it, it reassured me that, okay, home is literally where I am and what I define. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, but, but aside from where home is, you know, having those roots, you know that, that's, that was really the, the main pillar and the yes. foundation for me. So I, I'd say in Trinidad, before you get to leave the island and experience anything else, they make sure that's embedded in you from the youth.
0: For sure. Oh
2: wow. How did my, how did Haiti influence me? I mean, it's it's a it's a, it's a definitely a very uh, roller coaster of a of a ride, you know, being Haitian. Because growing up, it wasn't something that was that a lot of us were proud of. Mm. For various reasons right where there was we were there it, it was just a lot of like negativity that came along with being Haitian mm-hmm. you know because you know kids are just we're, we're, we're funny like that right my mother's a is an activist and a, and a lover of life and mm-hmm. you know we she used to take us to rallies in like the early 90s when President Aristide was you know in, in office and you know we'd go down to rallies in my in, in little Haiti in Miami, and you know, my mom was on I'm, my entrepreneurship comes from my mother and my father, mm-hmm. um, and so she'd make t-shirts and go sell them at the rallies and all of that, right? So that's that's where I get that from. But, but the next day for school, or it's probably like either on a Saturday or you know Sunday, but the next day for school, she'd give us the shirts and make us wear at the school and. I'd toss a shirt in, in in the bushes by my house and put <laughs> something else on, right? You know that was when you know you, you I didn't know self, right? Okay. And 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 you right. know you was you was ashamed to be that because, mm. and then over time you start to learn about like your true history, and mm. I start to learn about mm. like, we are the first independent Black nation, you know, on this planet that revolted yes. from slavery. Yes, that's. That's real. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's that's pride. That's like you know like a sense of like okay, your ancestors have paved the way for you to be who you are. Right. So represent and 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 fight that fight. Damn right? right. Damn
1: right.
2: And so, so over the years, like it's, it's you know it's, it's as you as you're learning and you're you're becoming you know, as I'm becoming a man, I'm starting to realize like yeah, this is I'm very proud of that. But then also at the same time like. I have a responsibility to my community, right? Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. there's the whole aspect of like, when you think about Haiti Mm -hmm. and the narrative that we know for Haiti is very poor, impoverished, Mm -hmm. handout kind of mentality. That that's not the the traditional case, but the media and everybody else does a really good job in depicting that as being our reality. And so it's up to me to be a part of like helping to change that narrative, right? And and so. So it should, at least for me, I know, like, at, at this point now, it's, it is my everyday reality. Haiti is my everyday re- reality. And then I wouldn't have it any other way because I feel like as, as a diaspora, as the educated ones, you know, whatever to whatever degree that might be, it is our job to teach and to pass on and to connect and to create space. Yeah. And that's part of, like, my responsibility on this earth.
1: Let that, I'm gonna let that breathe right quick. I don't know what this
3: podcast is thinking <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> right. Listen, I'm gonna let that breathe.
1: You said something interesting about your mother's and the t shirts being like what inspired your entrepreneurship. And you talked about your father coming up to be an entrepreneur in Seattle. Like, can you talk about that and what, what other things may have inspired like your entrepreneurship?
3: Yeah. Entrepreneurship goes back many generations on both sides of my parents. Trinidad and Tobago is still in, in many places a third world country. And so um, some of the simplicities, uh, the conveniences, they're just not there. And honestly, you know, entrepreneurship, one of the definitions of it uh, is just literally providing convenience. Meeting a, a need with uh, or demand with supply and the process that in between is the business itself. So when you don't have the opportunity to just have conveniences, it it means a lot of people can provide that for you. Mm -hmm. So an example of that would be if you're in a Caribbean island and they don't have much refrigeration everywhere because it's a demand on energy, then you've got to create a solution. And so that could be an invention even in 2015. Mm -hmm. Ice, a means to transport ice. So it's that type of creativity that comes from my mother's side. On my father's side, he's an Mm all-around hustler. You know, his, his main rule was to make sure he can take care of himself. He's been working since five. And so they both influenced me. Wow. You know, my father, he came to Seattle to work in the funeral profession. And after spending some time at some local businesses, he decided that he wanted to strike out on his own. And of course, there was an opportunity there. There was the organization that he, uh, that he received from, you know, help people in the community. But, uh, but the main thing is that he had vision. And so uh, so that's really what he imparted to me the, the ability to catch vision, to manage it, and then ultimately to execute. Mm-hmm. that regard the same with my mother, you know even uh, she helped my father launch it and then she went uh, some years later to start her own uh, clinic as a chiropractor. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you know she was the first black female chiropractor in the state of Washington. What? had her business had her clinic for over 15 years in a little place called Lakewood Washington, not too far from Tacoma. Hey. But yeah, you know, both of them influencing me. I mean, our kitchen table was was, was wild. I mean, we uh, we we challenged all barriers in mm-hmm. terms of why an idea couldn't be viable or why something took longer than the other. Was the financing aspect or was it the organization aspect in terms of getting the documents ready? But these are the types of talks that I think uh, were very beneficial to nurturing that entrepreneurial spirit and allowing it to uh, to grow without hindrances. Um, yeah i'm very thankful for them and, and then there's the uncles who are who i met you know later on in life it's funny when you find out an uncle who owned you know 30 houses in one city quiet as captain and then he worked at the bank his whole life and then his side gig was training bank managers you know like it's just interesting when 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 you get to learn that about other people so yeah it's deep in our family
2: you know? yeah the- i mean but not a discount the t-shirt my mom used to sell but it's the same thing for us, right? It was really like my mom mm. and my dad used to own a grocery store and a thrift store in New York City. My mm. dad was a super and had several um, buildings that he managed and owned in yes. in New York as well. If my mom was sitting right here, she would say I was a serial entrepreneur too. Right. <laughs> and she mm-hmm. she had, you know, from the grocery store to thrift store to a restaurant in Miami to mm. the cleaning company to yes. the lawn company. So I mean, it... man. <laughs> It just permeates through, you know, through our whole culture. And I guess for me, I always struggle with the word entrepreneurship, just because mm. I feel like entrepreneurship is more of a state of mind. Mm. Like there's a lot of business owners, mm. people, people, mm. Are, people are naturally, you know, hustlers. People are naturally will figure out a way to make, take make a means to an end, right? Mm. And you take, you know, anybody who has an idea, and they, you know, apply certain skills to that, and then they create that particular business. But Entrepreneurship is really more of a a state of mind, Mm. right? It's how you approach certain things It's that that aspect of like Taking risks taking chances creating opportunities out of nothing Mm. That for me is what it means to be an entrepreneurship entrepreneur, right? right? It's 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 that type of Approach that you that you take with certain decisions that you're making and that's what I think about when I think about What it means to be an entrepreneur, you know,
1: yes so, (laughs) okay Fast, so fast forward, you graduate from college, you graduate from college, and, and you already know that you've got like entrepreneurs in your family, right? Where did you, go? I know you went to finish line after college before saying, you know what, <laughs> I'm ready. How, how did you get to your entrepreneurship? Or was it just, I already know where I'm going?
3: I knew where I was going before I, I finished Sorry. with university. For me, though, um, you know, and, I, and I was blessed to have my parents be able to afford my college education. Mm-hmm. The first thing I did when I went home was to get to work because that's how I got through university. Uh, it was a financial crisis. Sure, the recession. Mm-hmm. Right? You know, the Great Recession. And so, although the funeral profession took a little while for it to hit, and Washington itself had some barriers economically that, that prevented it from you know, hitting the worst. Anything that is consumer-driven took a hit. One of the things that, uh, that we really had to get past as a family was uh, an issue with our thinking. One was we didn't understand what was happening uh, because all we saw were financially numbers diminishing or families choosing a different, uh, a different path or a different uh, provider for mm-hmm. that service. On the other side of that, you know, the availability for credit and to get new equipment, to get supplies, it became very challenging because they, these suppliers and these types of institutions only wanted to work with people who had credit or had these types of um, like a large piece of cash laid around 100K or so. So, so, so these were the types of things that began to happen. And so I had to, one of the things I had to do was really help my parents at the same time. Also, they were both going through some health issues. They were, Mm -hmm. Uh, be being diagnosed with uh, type 2 diabetes and all the symptoms and effects that has so so one of the main things i had to do was just kind of prove new concepts Uh, we had to develop new markets which means we had to build relationships with other communities that were here and we also had to find ways to streamline our paperwork administratively as as well as logistically you know um, uh, use less resources to get the same thing done so so in that regard, it really the first thing I had to do that was my first challenge, uh, just really you know organize all that. I didn't take my leap into entrepreneurship until, let's see, maybe like six years after university, and although by then I had built up a large percentage of uh, growth inside of the funeral home uh, with different strategies, I, I wanted to venture off into something different. I actually did not want to stay in the profession. Mm-hmm. And so so that's what led to international trade and uh, and working with different cultures and different companies any 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 multi-ethnic marketplace uh, I wanted to develop strengths that would allow me to go and immediately be able to thrive so so that that's how I led the the inspiration behind that aside from everything else we've spoke uh, spoken about, uh, was the fact that my, my dad would not relinquish control of the business to me. Mm. After, uh, after I'd been home working over five years through the financial crisis, you know, we barely had a much, enough money to get through. So it's not like I was saving up a bunch of money to make a move. So instead of looking to, to, to you know, start a business, raise capital, and go that route, I didn't want to wait or organize at that level. I just wanted to go. Mm. So I just dipped into my strengths and did a bunch of personal development. And it's just like the gates kept opening up and I just kept pushing and yeah. demanding so it's, it's an interesting story it took a little while before I can I can step into that water uh, and, and and I'm thankful for that because I, I still wanted to help my, my my family business and I'm thankful that I can still run all these businesses I have uh, while the main one is being the family business for so sure. yeah
1: what was your major in college?
3: economics nice. economics was it for me I, I love economics man so, and, I, and, and uh, university was important to me because it, it gave me the first taste of, of different cultures. I got to learn languages. So, although Spanish was like one of those requirements in high school, I was able to touch into some Japanese. And, and that's really where my college experience uh, began to change. I get to, when you get to see the world through another culture, through their language, uh, especially a country like uh, Japan, um, then it, it does give you a little reflection on your own. Um, especially if you have a multi-ethnic group. Sure, shout out to, shout out to Japan. <laughs> <laughs>
1: David, what was your major? And then after, once you, you left finish line, came to Seattle, what did you do? And how did you get to what you're doing now?
2: So I, did, I, I studied business administration with a concentration in marketing um, in college. And... I did a lot of, like, community development projects in my business degree. I was part of an organization called SIFE, which is um, for Students in Free Enterprise. And Mm -hmm. so we did a lot of uh, activities that kind of, like, garnered mentorship in the community and, you know, just being present, you know, with the high school students and just students in general with regards to how we can support them in their own personal initiatives. But... After moving out here, I started looking for a job. I mean, I still didn't know what I didn't have a business idea in mind or anything of that nature. I mean, even when I was in college, I was an entrepreneur in college. So I was, I mean, Smell Good Products was one of my businesses where we, you know, we sold incenses and oil and black soap and you know that whole ordeal. We did that. I ran a car wash business for two years. That was Chocolate City Auto Detailing. Mm-hmm. Big up to all all the, the Chocolate City Auto Detailing folks mm-hmm. out there. <laughs> we did that for for a good two years. I mean, I have I've a, a very interesting college career in and of itself. It's probably like a whole other podcast in, <laughs> in and of itself. But moving out here, I started applying for jobs within the, the management field and um, was still, I got to apply for a job with Frito-Lay. And I was waiting and waiting to hear back from them after that interview and almost t- took a job as a barista at Starbucks in Tacoma. And then I finally got the call up here in Seattle and then I moved. I'm here to be a district sales manager for Frito-Lay, so I pretty much had about 200 or so customers and six employees that I managed in the North Seattle market. But I did that for about four years, three years at the time, and I had this vision of owning a, owning a bar. And I think part of that vision kind of came, was reinforced when I started frequenting this place called um, Fair Gallery Cafe, mm-hmm. which used to be on Capitol Hill, owned by... Alicia, but Johnson, shout out to you. I know you'll be listening to, the, listening to this eventually. but And I remember having breakfast with one of my supervisors at Frito-Lay, and I was like, yeah, I want to own a bar one day. He's like, oh, everybody thinks about owning a bar your age. I'm like, excuse me? In my, in my mind, I was like, excuse me? Really? Mm. And everything changed for me at that moment where I knew that it was time for me to get into my lane, right? Because I knew that I only wanted to work for five years for somebody else, and then eventually just get out there and do my own thing. And... Um, so I started working on the concept for opening my own space and went to Japan for two weeks to kind of see how they were using technology and their their bars and whatnot. And I think I got the first taste of like touchscreens in a restaurant industry. And this was probably mm-hmm. like, I want to say, probably 06 oh, when wow. I was in Japan. And that was beautiful. And you know, like, like you, you start to experience culture, you know, and through somebody else's language and you're like, oh my gosh, like I didn't speak... Any Japanese, right, or anything of that nature. So it was like it was really, you know, an opportunity just to kind of go there and be present, and you know, and you know, use my book to kind of like communicate and and, and, and whatnot. But it was just a really great experience all in all. And then, two thousand and eight, two thousand seven, I left Frito Lay and went to work for Adwala. I got a, they got they poached me and I went to work for Adwala, and I was like it's good timing because I was already thinking about opening my bar. It was a good m- more money, so I left December 'o seven, and then. July, oh eight. I got the can, right? It was big layoffs across the the whole mm. country, mm-hmm. and I got laid off, right? And I was that was like the happiest day of my life. Payout? <laughs> <laughs> hey, no, not you know. It's funny because I, I I thought I was gonna get a nice little severance package and everything would have been nice and peachy, but no, it was it wasn't even about that. It was really more like somebody cut the umbilical cord, and it was like.
0: Like this was a sign. Yeah,
2: and I and you know, I had a choice at that moment, right? Mm-hmm. I had a, I did even. Uh, it was interesting. That I got a phone call that that afternoon from my HR department. She's like, "I'm so sorry, you know. I know we you know we offered you X, Y, Z, and to be here with the company, but it's just something that just happened. Mm-hmm. However, we'd love for you to consider staying on and maybe relocating to another part of the country. Mm-hmm. So as you make your decision, oh. we'll continue paying you. You know. I'm like in my mind I was like I know I don't want to continue with this company mm. but I was like well get paid for a little bit little longer <laughs> like, all right I'll,
1: I'll
2: hold on to it and I'll, and I'll milk it and I, and I went and looked at some other markets and, and thought about you know the possibility of re- relocating to the East Coast they offered Nantucket as one of the areas for me to manage and and I called the back I was like you know what I I can't do the lateral move you know I've been doing this for too long mm-hmm. already and I I'm good right mm. service package was crap mm. i worked on employment for got my unemployment for a while and sunk everything that i had into opening my into lucid cashed in my 401k maxed out my credit cards mm. and you know here we are yeah. right yeah. and part of it really is just comes down to like whatever idea whatever thoughts you have you can accomplish it
1: Absolutely. it's gonna be hard Absolutely.
2: right but you know take that leap and you'll you'll see what's on the other side so right. That was, that was the beauty of, like, you know, getting laid off it was, like, sink or swim. Mm.
3: Right. 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 Absolutely. I'm not sinking. <laughs> Unless you
2: tell me there's, like, no go to the bottom of the, the, the sea or something. You know right. what I'm saying? But other than that, I'm, <laughs> I'm going for it, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: Absolutely. That's in- inspiring. Yes. Absolutely. And I would be
1: remiss if, 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 I, if I didn't talk about the Japan connection between all of us. Uh, <laughs> for sure. I saw her smiling,
2: yes I saw
0: see, her. See, just,
1: see, see. Do you wanna go first?
0: I don't know, well, I mean, obviously I am Japanese. Name's Yoshi. But I grew up here, didn't, wasn't born in Japan, visited as a child, went back not too long ago. But no, it was just exciting to hear that when you went, you saw a technology there that we're just now seeing in America. Yeah. And so in your experience in Japan or learning the language and the culture, you know, opened your eyes. And I'm a big supporter of like, going to study abroad. Mm-hmm. I think that totally changes people mm-hmm. for a good experience, you know, just being out there out of your comfort zone. Right. Um, but even,
2: you know, the funny thing is even with, forget technology. I, I just appreciate like the discipline of the culture. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I never saw anybody walking and eating at the same time. No,
0: it's looked down upon. But you know why? I think it's because they have these crows. There might be ravens, and they'll attack you. I think it's food. Yeah. Uh
2: So I think it's part of like the 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 cleanliness too. Well, that
0: too. Yeah. Right.
2: So the cleanliness of that culture is just amazing. Yeah. Right. It's like New York City. I mean, Tokyo is like New York City times Mm ten. Right but yeah. clean. Yeah. Right. yeah there's right. only
0: trash cans mm-hmm. by mm-hmm. the vending machines it, you won't yeah. find them anywhere It blows my mind,
2: right? Yeah. And so, yeah. but then that was one thing but then also like the the escalator was one that I really mm. was like, wait, wait, wait,
1: wait, wait. So right.
2: with the escalator, for example, if you're getting on the escalator, yeah. if you're going to stand, uh-huh. you, you sit you stand on the right side okay. and the left side is always empty for people that want to walk yes. up. okay. Right? Okay. So there'll be a line building up at the bottom of the escalator on the right side. Um, and the, the left side is completely empty, all the time. Interesting, right? So that's discipline. That's that's mindfulness. That's that's like you know thinking about you know those that are coming behind you. There's like a whole element that's yeah. so important, right? And so that was something that I was like, you know, I took a lot of foresight from that. I was like, man, this is amazing how they approach just their their way of living, right? And maximizing space, right? Yeah. And yeah. so, you know, you know when you think about making it in America as a business owner, you think big, mm-hmm. you think a lot, you think of a massive space. And, you know, I had this vision for 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 my, my, my Lucid. It was like, you know, I wanted this like 10 times the square feet of what I, what I had already. <laughs> and you want to have a lounge over here, a bar there, this, that, and a third. Yeah. And then I was when I was in, in, in Tokyo, I was like, man, they made some of the most smallest spaces work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that allowed me to rethink in regards to what I had to work with, right? Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like I needed to open this bar with like, hundred thousand dollars, I could make it work with what I had, right? right? And so it was a matter of like either being resourceful and whatever whatever space that I had, right? Mm-hmm. And so that was the beauty of it. And so right. what Lucid where Lucid became was in a t shirt shop. Right. right. It was a buddy of mine who I went to college with who had like a, a Greek and sorority paraphernalia t shirt shop. And he decided he didn't want to be in the business anymore. I took over his lease, looked at the space, I'm like, yeah, we could turn this into a bar. Yeah. right and yeah. it was and the whole time I'm thinking I, I remember being in Tokyo and seeing how they made small spaces work
1: nice
2: and we made that as, we made it work nice. right and it became like a, a centerpiece for a while in a lot of people's lives in regards to how they came about and it was really like an extension of my living room mm-hmm. right it was like that type mm-hmm. of concept right you had the,
1: you had the um, stage yeah and always someone playing live music everything
2: it was dope and it was you know what we didn't need you know to, to fit 400 people in that space, yeah. right? Yeah. You know, it was a, a very comfortable 50-seated p- space at times had about 150 people, <laughs> you know, <Right>. but <laughs> it, 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 it worked for, for what it needed to do to, to happen. I and I think that's the whole thing, like, as a business owner, you know, you don't always, you don't always have to think about excess right. to make mm-hmm. it,
1: right? Right. Yeah. right, that's true.
0: In America, everything is so excessive. And so Shh. that's hard. That's true. That's what, hard. When was the first
1: time you went to Japan? I guess you were a child. Yeah.
0: I think I was in preschool.
1: Okay. Do you remember
0: anything? I do. It was hot. (laughs) And my dad, he was like, okay, we're going to go visit some friends of mine. I'm like, cool. So we're walking on this country road and they have fields where they're growing rice and things like that. And they have this, I don't know what it is, but it's just running water. And I think it's to water the plants. Mm. And... He's like, oh, it's hot. Give me your towel. So we had these towels, and he'd just dip it in there. He's like, you know, because it, it's cold water. And so he'd, we'd wrap it around our heads, and we're walking. And I was like, why don't we just take a bus or something? What are we doing? <laughs> <laughs> this is so hot. And, you know, it's just summers in Seattle are very mild. And in Japan, it was just crazy hot, and I was not used to it. I was very upset. I was, yeah. But then, at the same time, because it was so safe and we're in this very small town, you know, he would just give you money. Hey, go buy me... Go buy me a beer and go buy yourself some ice cream. And I was like, but I'm five. Is that (laughs) cool? And, you know, the store owner's like, okay, here you go. That's crazy. (laughs) And so, yeah, that's Uh, what I
1: remember. So my dad was in the Air Force. And so I was born on Yokota Air Force Base in Tokyo Mm. and lived there maybe until I was three. And so I ended up going after I graduated college for like 10 days, just went about and around Tokyo and was like, yo, I could live here. Like, this is awesome. After I decided not to go to law school, my brother was like, you should think about teaching English in Japan. And I was like, what? And he was like, if I didn't have to go straight to law school, I don't want to go teach English in Japan. And so I looked it up and was like, "Okay." And so the same way that you were telling your story about when you came to Seattle, you felt like you this is where you found yourself. That was me at 22 going to Japan. Right. And I remember you, Winston. Connected me with Ali, mm-hmm. and Ali mm. was like Ali. Ali was this dope dude. He was a DJ. I believe you and him. He was an international student yeah. at a uh, at Central.
3: We were in Spanish class together. Of all places, crazy, <laughs> crazy.
1: And so Winston's like, yo, you got to meet my guy. And Ali like didn't know me from anybody, right? But took me around Tokyo. Took me into his home. We went to. I, that was the first time that I heard live house music. Like we went and just just watching the way like culture and music, the like the take of, of of music was different. And so I spent about eight months in Hamamatsu Shizoka, which is like two hours south by bullet train of Tokyo. But every time I could, yeah. I was going to Tokyo <laughs> to get to get knowledge and culture and and, and just yeah I, I definitely uh, I love Japan
3: you know what I, and I just want to add two things two things I love just love about Japan mm. one thing you know I'm, I'm very attracted to, I'm a very disciplined man, so I'm attracted to a system mm. or a model that that has instituted that and so you touched on their simplicity or their way to master uh, simple uh, I, I really appreciated that to see it in work it really encouraged me it let me know that I can come home. And I don't need a lot of space or a lot of money yes. or, or, or a lot of management systems. I can keep it simple and accomplish quite a bit. It. And then the other thing about Japan that's interesting is you won't find anything used, you know, much on the main level. You won't find used cars and you sure enough won't find worn down shoes. And that, that also really covers me. It, it helps me uh, push for newness, keeping it fresh, hmm. you know, and taking every day as a new, fresh day and an opportunity to present myself yeah. in, a, in a fresh way. So, um, so those two things alone. I thought it was interesting. There's no used car market in Japan. I was like, gosh, all the used cars we see in the states and around, and like, then none here. Like, hmm. But, uh, but, but, yeah. It, it just showed that you know there's a people that exist and. They only want new things, Mm. and that's just how we roll. We just after it gets a little old, we're done with it. We want something new. Right? Yeah, I could do that. Yeah,
1: (laughs) I'm 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 pushing toward a minimalist lifestyle. Yeah, minimalism. (laughs)
0: Yes. I never thought about the no new uh, used car market. Mm. I never thought
2: about that either. Yeah, me either. That's awesome. I mean, it probably helps with with the environment too. Yeah. True, yeah. right? True. Well, yeah. True. Not probably, but it does. Yeah. And and
3: and from a business standpoint, it's a great export, <laughs> new and used cars. Right. I mean, constantly. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Cuz yeah. they got a, there's still value in them, right? Yeah. yeah, we buy them, you know, but there's definitely countries around that will take those cars. Uh and and they sell them at a, at, at a great rate, so. Right.
1: Yeah. And so I ended up actually leaving Japan 2 weeks after 311. Mm. 2011, 311, mm-hmm. 2011. And it was like, mm, I'm going I'm to go back to my family. But at the same time, I was also like, Japan is in good hands. Like, nothing's going to happen to Japan's not going to let nothing happen to their people. Like, they got this unlocked.
0: Mm-hmm. So, well, I guess on the topic of travel, mm. besides Japan, where else have you fellas been that either inspired you or maybe you hated it and that somehow inspired you?
3: Oh, my. Well, you know, in 2008, this is a year... Out of university, this is this, this. was when there was still a little pecunia going around, a little a little currency flowing in my direction from this old funeral home, and so <laughs> I said, okay, well, I'm going to I'm going to Seoul, I'm going to South Korea, and uh, mm. you know, within within like seven days, bought a ticket and just hit it. Wow. Went to Seoul, didn't stay in Seoul long. Caught a bus, went three hours south to this little small town and just kind of chilled. That was a fun trip. That showed me that I'm willing to go. You know, I'm capable of going anywhere. Mm. Uh, I don't have to have all the agenda laid out. I would say the most impactful trip for me, though, was London. London really let me know that, uh, one, I am a Londoner inside. And then, two, I gotta make a lot of money if I want to live in London. So, (laughs) (laughs) they let me know quick. London's beautiful. You know, it's just a mix of people. It's got a lot of history. A fair amount of haters, if you will, uh, depending on what your ethnic group is. But, uh, at the end of the day, there's, you know, you, you just go there to celebrate. You celebrate culture. You celebrate, uh, you know, the, the the different layers of economy there. Uh, I got to touch with some old Seattle friends too. So, uh, so those two trips combined, they were both in 2008, and I came back and was just determined. That's that's when uh, I knew that uh, whether it's the business I was in at the time or a different business, but I, I had to do more travel and I had to get. We'll definitely get back to London. So.
1: Never been,
3: yeah. same.
1: Somebody,
2: somebody lets up. Mm. Mm. So Get it! Wow, and my most exciting my most exciting trip has not happened yet. Okay, but I leave in about three weeks for um, this world tour that I've, I've organized oh, with my with my team. Oh. and we're doing screening my, screening the documentary Kimbfm, so which means hold firm, and we're we're doing twenty two cities, going from Seattle, D C. New York, Montreal, mm. Berlin, nice. London, France, man. Amsterdam. Of course, <laughs> of course, of course. But no, on on a so that's that's I can see that, and I can see myself my life changing mm. over the next three months. One of my favorite cities, Whew, man. It's, it's a mix between. Nah, you know what? I Sao Paulo is beautiful. Very, a very, very, very artistic city. <laughs> it was it was winter time for them, so I didn't it wasn't like the typical what you hear about Brazil, the pretty women all over the place blah blah blah. It was really like <laughs> It was really just a culture of like just people. Like I I really appreciate it being I don't I don't speak Portuguese. Portuguese. Yeah. And my my Uber ride from my hotel to the airport was one of the most amazing Uber rides ever because hmm. it was it was traffic like out the out the wazoo and here I, here I am him and I were stuck in this Uber and we want to have a conversation but we really can right <laughs> and so but we leverage technology right we we use some, so there's like a translate app that allowed me to speak into the translator and then it would sit, sp- I'm, I'm spit it out in. And I'm um, in Portuguese to him, and right. it was just like this really engaged, real conversation. Yeah. It wasn't just like hi, how you doing? Hope you had a nice day kind of thing. We had right. conversation about like everything from with, with regards to like culture, like poverty, nice. entrepreneurship. We talked about everything wow. just through this app. How That's long dope. was this
0: car ride? Almost, about, was an hour, almost about an hour. I know what it
2: was I about said. an hour ride. Okay, um, and we were we both left like really really excited, right? Because we had some really intense. Conversations about responsibilities of like us as individuals in, mm-hmm. this, in this world, and but but all of that through this app, which That's is up. which is awesome. Um, Technology, man. I love those um which is just like an hour north of Cabo. Okay. Small little beach town, um, just a really good spot to just kind of like unplug and just. <laughs> wine and, and I'd be if I didn't mention Haiti I'd be a fool but
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: Haiti's, Haiti's beautiful man <laughs> Haiti's one of those things like again if you if you let the perception of what the media tells you about about Haiti so sad mm-hmm. right because mm-hmm. it's, it's you know the people make the space what it is right. right and the people are beautiful despite you know the lack of resources and the lack of access to certain things that they need we're still happy right You know, we're still getting it. You know, the guy walked down the street with the wheelbarrow with the sugarcane, and he's cutting up sugarcane, and you're eating that right there, right? Like he knows my mom's order. Like she, like I remember, it was funny because I remember I last time I was I was there, the guy came by, and I was like, let me get some sugarcane for my mom, and you know, like oh, you you can chop it up. He's like, nah, 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 man, she doesn't like it. You know, what I'm saying (laughs) the cane like that, you got to keep it raw. She likes to do it herself, kind of thing. I was like, nah, 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 just give them. And then I brought it downstairs to my mom, and mom like. What are you doing, right? You know what I'm saying? Like like I like it, you know, whole, right? So it's just it's just like, you know, Haiti's Hades is a beautiful place and I'm I'm excited to take this guy with me, hopefully in August. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. You know? Oh nice. Man, that, that, that'd be that'd be that awesome. <laughs> be awesome. Listen. That'd be
1: awesome. Yeah. That is awesome.
0: I feel like there was a theme again with just being happy with what you have, like middle Muslim, you know, not wanting the grandest, yeah. the biggest, the best, that kind of thing.
2: Absolutely. yeah i mean i think it's funny about a couple of years ago three years ago probably three years ago i was um moving from wedgwood a roommate situation and i had the option of like i found a studio literally 206 square feet and i like i've never lived in anything that small before and i'm like oh this is interesting and i remember when went to go see the, the the studio i'm like all right walked out and like wait where's the closet so i went back in there was no closet. <laughs> All, right. All right. Okay. All right. So now I went home, and I was looking online still for like another, another spot, and I found this place in Lake City. Same price, four times the amount of space. Mm. And as I drove away from that place, I was like, nah, I actually want the smaller space. Mm. So okay. I settled on I settled in the smaller space. Mm. And then so then when I went to my, my place I was living at, I looked around. I'm like, well, 80% of this stuff has to go. Wow. Mm. It was just real. Right. And it forced me to like get rid of the excess. Right. Right? And stuff that we don't I don't really need. That's right. I don't need thirty pairs of shoes. I don't need, you know, twenty ties. I don't you know what I'm saying? Like all the little that's things that just right. accumulate, right? right. Mm. Mm. And so it forced me to like get rid of those things. Right? I mean even like and so if you find the right developer, you know, that has put thought into what they created, mm. you can you can get a, a really good space that's very well thought out, that's fit for you. Yeah. Right. So for example, like our space had two burners instead of four. Right. I don't need to have four pots going at the same time, right? <laughs> you know, like it's
1: just like That's real. It's just you know, think about that, right? For you sure. know, so
2: like there was that, right? And then there was the whole aspect of like the fridge was like it wasn't a dorm size, but it was a little bit more than a, a dorm size. But the right. end of the day, like how much stuff do I actually really need to have in the fridge, right? Right? And right. so that starts to like really affected how I like I, I view a lot of things that I do, right? So. Um, that minimalistic aspect is is true indeed really important especially as an entrepreneur who has like a lot of things going on Mm -hmm. I don't need to think about what I'm putting on you know I I just need to I know I know how I look in this outfit I'm good and I'm go (laughs) right and that's just like sort of things that's what that's what it comes down to right and I remember, I think you probably you guys are probably on minimalism kick because yeah. you probably have a documentary minimal, minimalism. Oh no, no, I no. I I didn't even know oh, about there's, that. There's a documentary called Minimalism. You know, these, oh wait, these is it on Netflix? It is. Okay, I'm I saw there. it when I'm I was there. Like, there it's it's worth it. It's worth, I'm worth, there worth today. it. It's worth the watch because I think a lot of stress in, in, in our society today comes down to like the excess, right? And so you you take for example like when the economy crashes or you lose a job, you know, part of that. Problem is like not knowing how to shift when you don't have right. the ability to pay yeah. for it, That's it. right? right. Mm-hmm. That's right. It. And you try to maintain a lifestyle that you can't really afford, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yes. And so, yeah. my my take home at the end of the day financially has been a lot less than what I was making when I had a job, right? right? But yeah. my lifestyle mm-hmm. hasn't changed.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You know what I'm saying? So it's like mm-hmm. what I value. And how I approach certain things, right? And so when I go to the grocery store, I don't need to shop in excess. Right. I shop for today, right? right? I shop for, like, I, if I go to the store and I need to buy a banana, it's 49 cents a pound, whether I buy one or a thousand. Right. Right. <laughs> right? right. And so we have the mentality as, as to, to Stockpile Right, and to buy that thousand. To, yeah. They have
1: fifty-five cents a pound next week.
2: Right, we have to. We have to get all these different things yeah. and stock our cupboard with all this stuff. Man, we don't need. Nah, man, just live it one day at a time. You know, That's you plan. Right. For, you make plans and you plan for the future and everything like that. But I think it's such a beauty of like being able to go and get what you need when you need it. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. That's real. And and then it allows you to really connect with the civilization around you. That's you know, real. they know you at the grocery store. They know you at the, the fruit stand. They know you you know and you're affecting the economy every day right right that minimalism aspect is so true because it's like less is more
1: yeah that's real mm-hmm. you know that's real and now you, and now you're going to 22 different countries oh about to kill it mm-hmm. <laughs> oh man. man listen i'm i'm inspired but it, God, but yeah, even, even
2: but even with that for example right you would, yeah. you so from the outside looking in there's that, per, that perception like oh my gosh mm-hmm. like he's got to be balling oh, yeah, up, you know yeah, yeah. like nah it's not even about that and you just gotta know how to book your tickets right right right, right? right. so for, for me to get from here to new york city which is going from seattle dc to new york to montreal mm. was less than 500 bucks we're
1: gonna we're gonna we're
2: gonna talk even you, another, taking, you <laughs> taking the bus no it's just about how i booked my book my ticket oh okay right so i booked my ticket a multi-city tour once I oh, city okay right yeah. so you're booking your stops accordingly so mm-hmm. it's just like an extended layover right but know how to plan be resourceful be creative right right, right. and that's what it's about you that's know it. like and, and I think some, like people like I have this, this whole thought of like being like a to be a millionaire for example like I don't have the, the desire to be a millionaire but I can have a hundred thousand right. dollars you could have a hundred thousand dollars and you could have a hundred thousand dollars and so can you we're almost close to half a million. Right. What's mine is yours. What's yours is mine. We're we're good, right? right? It's being is be, like for example, for me, like if I had a hundred thousand dollars, I my lifestyle would not change significantly, right? Mm. right. I would I can only eat but so much. Right. I can only drive one car. Right. I can only live right. in one bed, right? right? So like right. that's how I look at it. Like mm. those things wouldn't change. So therefore, like I don't need that excess.
1: There's,
2: There's a new generation of people that are learning how to. Redefine what wealth really means. Yeah, um, I think it's gonna, without, in, in time, like, you know, it's gonna be natural for us to be a little bit more intentional about how we're utilizing the resources of what actually really matters. Yeah. You know, there's a, there's a value of life that we're all searching for, and it's not to be just a cog in the wheel. Right. You know?
1: The four hour work week said that the new rich, they define wealth as mobility and time and not money. Yeah,
2: yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't disagree with that at all.
0: What would you tell your younger self?
3: Mm. <laughs> one, one, like one, one, one
0: sentence. Yeah, anything. Piece of advice or just
3: don't worry about it. Just be patient. <laughs>
2: take your time, young blood. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> take okay. your time.
1: <laughs> the number one album or top three albums that helped define and shape who you are. Mm. Ooh.
3: Dang.
1: Ooh. That's hard.
2: But. Ooh. (laughs) Dang. All right. Gosh. I mean. (sighs) Top three. So. And I'm going to say these. These albums right here. Oh, he's got it. It, oh, it 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 always resonates with like it's a good place to go back to mm. and it, it kind of like we were we were we were these individuals at these particular time when these albums came out mm. and that's Outcasts mm. mm. and that's Southern playlistic okay. Cadillac funky music right Classic. and that album to me was like where we where we were you know as as young young boys right mm. and we were that. And then ATLians was like that opportunity to like really, you know, explore outside of your comfort zone, mm. right? And you were that you became that weird guy <laughs> on the block that could vision something, could envision something like of that nature, right? right? Yeah. And then Aquemini was just like, just like be you, yeah. right? And so those were the, those three albums was like a natural progression of like who I was at that particular time. But then like nice. you know I, I think back to like an Andre 3000. You know, to be yourself, right? Despite yep. what you came from, you know? Yeah. And those things always resonate.
1: Out loud. Yeah. <laughs> Out loud. Yeah. I like it. Yeah, I
3: appreciate that. I gotta one. go back. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Spotioty <oldie>, dopalicious. <laughs> sometimes that's all you need on a Friday night. Um uh, there's an album, A Todo, uh Cuba Lagusta, and that's by Afro Cuban All Stars. Mm-hmm. That album let me know that it's okay to be black and be so expressive. Mm. And then uh, their next album, Distinto Diferente, like it let me know to just be, just be, you know, just be yourself and be different. And, you know, again, with these Caribbean roots, when you grow up in the Northwest, your blackness is barely celebrated. So by the time you get down to beyond just black and the different aspects of it, and then it just get, it gets even harder. So, so when I discovered this album, it was, it was around my sophomore year, uh, university. That, that's when I, I really knew that just beyond the black skin and, and the, uh, the different cultural events around African-American culture, uh, there was definitely more to me. And so, yeah, these two albums, it allowed me to dance. It allowed me to tell a story. It, it encouraged me to learn Spanish. And uh, and it, it just it just tapped into something I, I was just discovering at the time, so um, so yeah. Even though I probably don't understand most of the album, I can sing it.
1: Um, <laughs> yeah. So
3: yeah, yeah. Distinto Divarente. I would say if I had to choose one, that that be it. Okay, yeah.
1: okay. How can we see your documentary Asi- aside from going to right. one of these? I thought you never asked.
3: I thought right. you <laughs> never. <asked>. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, well, you know, right now um, we don't have plans on releasing it digitally yet. Um, part of the vision for me with this this piece is really about the conversation that's going to take place nice. After the documentary, so we're trying to be very intentional with how we screen it. Okay, because it's it's really about The work that needs to be done. Yes, mm-hmm. right. It's like it's a it's a catalyst And so um, for right now the locations that we're screening them at are on our website and it's Kim FM which means um, hold to hold firm in Creole very common phrase Kim FM and it's dot com.
1: We'll put it in the description box.
2: There you go. Yeah. But yeah, so that's for right now. We've got about 22 cities lined up for between April and, and through July. Nice. And then um, after that, we'll figure out, you know, where we want to go for it. Go with it from there.
1: Nice, nice, nice. Wow. Any Any words to leave us with of what's coming next?
3: What's coming next? Yes. I mean, gosh, that's very open-ended, but um, I mean, you know, because I'm 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 constantly I'm a mad scientist in the when it comes to business plans. You know, I know the Northwest is slow, which just gives me time to prove. I I would say that uh, if I have to lead any words with anyone, because I I actually won't tell you what's coming next. Um, that's how I stay on top. Um, I, I like I that. <laughs> I tell you when it's old. Almost got him. Almost, almost got him. <laughs> I don't know i just i just felt earlier as i was arriving i was like you know opportunity and you know there's i again when you actually dig into a lot of these terms you'll get new definitions uh, to them and they'll grow you'll get multiple definitions but opportunity we use this we use it often it's it's embedded in a lot in, in a lot of what we express uh, we define it on something that we missed or uh you know something we want to have you know in terms of you know maybe someone outside of the u.s but I, I, I was just in the car and I was like, you know, opportunity. I love opportunity. And, you know, I just, I just wanted to lay this, you know, another definition of it. Uh, the opportunity is when you want, excuse me, when what you want presents itself, when you least expect it. And, and, and that's literally it. When, when what it is you really wanted that whole time and, you know, you talked about it maybe or you fantasized about it, you visualized about it. But then sometimes maybe you weren't in the position to seize opportunity or capture opportunity or, or get a return on opportunity, whatever you want to, you know, turn around it. And so that leads to preparation. But I, I just want to, you know, obviously be prepared. Uh, I never leave. I never leave uh, home without a few items and I keep a few items on me at all times. I keep two bags and that's just for being prepared. But it's being prepared for opportunity. Uh, Because you never know what opportunity is going to hit you. Uh, I'm thankful that when I met uh, Damo, as I call him, um, you know, I I was I was ready for at least some inspiration. And my my brother David over here, uh, I I never knew uh, that we'd end up, you know, sitting here (laughs) podcasting. My man's going on a world tour. Uh, You know, like it's it's just wild. Opportunity is everlasting, and uh, what we have to give is is truly what our treasure is. So. I'll just leave it like that. Hopefully, it's valuable, and, and I want to nice. thank you all for having me on here. Listen. Well, thank you. Um, yes. I, I'm, I'm you. so honored you. that you would think so highly of me and, and extend an invitation <laughs> and make Listen. time and and use resources for it. So I'm I'm thankful for it. Yes, and yeah.
1: thank thank y'all both for for yeah. allowing us the time and so no, appreciate you
2: It's a it's a pleasure for sure. I it's it's funny, man. I I really appreciate you, Winston. Because mm. I know we've we I've known Winston for about four or five years now since I've ran lucid i've seen him in many different forms as a as a as a a barkeep you know we for the most part we tend to be the the ones that are the sober ones Mm. but some of the best times been when before the drinking had begun begun in in the space Mm. and it's always been interesting to see like the conversations that we would have or the look on the faces of like some of the people that don't look like us mm-hmm. that already have a perception of what we were supposed to look like and sound like. Mm-hmm. And when we do open our mouths, right. it's a whole different like, oh, I right. remember that conversation you was there when, when we were watching the game on the right and then it was you, Antonio and me and then that, that, that guy came yep. in there and he was like, just blown away. We talked about everything. From, oh, like counter. From yeah. history to like, <laughs> stocks to yeah. like, I mean, just everything, right? Yeah. It, yeah. It, you know, it was just, it was that, right? So when you think back to like, what You guys mentioned earlier about culture, mm. that's what it's about, yeah, right. Absolutely. And so, I think the one word that I'd probably like to leave with is just serendipity. Mm. Oh, I hear that. oh yes. man, if you don't embrace serendipity, sure, you're doing it, you're, you're doing it wrong, yeah, you're doing it wrong. Nothing happens by chance, you know, we're, we're all connected. You know, uh, and serendipity is definitely one of my she's she's my best friend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. You wear that one well, I'll say if that <laughs> was a garment, that'd be your scarf. <laughs> you know what I'm Absolutely.
3: <laughs> any, yeah. any words, any last no, words?
0: No, just thank you for participating. Absolutely being our first guest. Thank you so yes, much. Yes, first guest taking first the time guess,
1: out. appreciate it, and, and you've just listened to No Blueprint.
3: Well, this is Winston Victor Fitch. You've just experienced the No Blueprint. Never walk into a situation with a complete blueprint. Always leave a little space for change and expansion. And if this is going down into history or down into culture or going down into music or art, I, I would say the best part is being able to look back and then see what, you, what you've created. Of course, don't build a building without a blueprint, but when it comes to life, there's, it's, it's endless. And so keep growing.
1: Man, that was
0: really good. How
2: do I follow that one up? Right? <laughs> right to um, top. Uh, you know what? This is David Pierre Louis sitting here. With the no blueprint, step outside, experience life, take chances. Yeah, that's it for me. All right, thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you.